will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bed. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Hello and welcome to episode 453 of Fergo on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is a glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How are you going there, mate? Going very well, Andrew. I'm still dealing with the after effects of the Penrith Panthers winning the NRL and World Championship uh, back-to-back titles. It feels different winning back-to-back titles, hey? It feels like... Um, I guess when you win a grand final, it's like exciting and stuff. But when you win the second one in a row, it's it feels like uh, there's a contentment that comes with it. It's really weird. It's hard to explain. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, um, obviously, obviously, um, for me, it happened a little bit further back than you know the current times we're in. Um, you know, because I was about minus thirty three. Yeah, yeah. When when I was when the Tigers went back to back in forty six, forty seven. Mm-hmm. Good times. Um, but they were good times. Yeah, geez, yeah. I was, geez, I was squatting in the forties there. Yeah, yeah. Po- just post World War Two. Um, yeah. Just before Bobby Lullum decided to go and screw his mother in law. It was great <laughs> times. Wow. Allegedly. <laughs> no, no, that's not alleged. He went. <laughs> that shit happened. You know, you got to put it. Look at it from his point of view. He was horny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, what did you think of the grand final? Um, yeah, Penrith went up a gear, mm-hmm. and they did that from the absolute get go. Mm. And all they were—they weren't playing anything any more skillful. Um, don't mind that banging in the background. Um, my little fellow's found something that he's destroying. Obviously, it's not important. Uh, as long as it's electronic equipment. And uh, probably just Parramatta's defence. He's found it and he's just destroying it again. Ah, you should call him Moses Leota. (laughs) Um, Penrith's line speed absolutely decimated Parramatta from kickoff. Mm. And from that, Parramatta, instead of trying to physically work their way back into the game, they panicked Mm. and they tried to work around it. And they couldn't. There's no getting around that line speed. It's across the whole field. You can't get around it. And so when they when they moved away from what their game plan usually is, they lost that game straight away. And it was very early in the game. Um, I think the second set that Penrith had, I saw Cleary get nearly a minute to put a bomb up. And I went, yep, if you're giving him that much time to kick a ball, you've lost this game. And it happened for an hour. It wasn't until the 62nd minute, somewhere around there, I actually finally saw Parramatta put strong defense, uh, strong kick pressure on him, and he got a poor kick away. And I went, too late. It's far too late. Yeah. Um, I, I watched the game again, uh, I think it was yesterday. I, I chucked it on and just watched the watch through. There are a lot of great teams I've seen that would have had no chance against the onslaught that Penrith did against Parramatta. And, and I think that they... They kind of there's a it's interesting to see the comments that have happened after the match in that everyone's now talking about well Penrith is a, a one of the great teams that they've seen. And I I think that you know when you've to win one title is really difficult. 
normally when you get that back-to-back title, it is you can see it's the end. You know, in the modern modern game, I mean, since the ten meter will come in, you can see that it's basically that they've done their best, and this is the bookend of their success. And I think the thing about this Panthers side is that to win one title is really difficult, and you normally snag that title, and then you lose players, or everything changes around you, and you can't go back to back. For this Panthers side to defend their title by winning 20-plus games and then going through the final series and just dominating it the way they did. And then you get to the grand final and they do that. It it was – I think it it saw most people that comment on the game just say, oh, my goodness, like this is something like we haven't seen too many times before. Like this doesn't feel like when the Roosters won their back-to-back title. Um, it felt like the Roosters scrapped and clawed their way to finally get that second one. This felt different. This felt like we are the best team now and we're going to be the best team for a while. And it was it was just very weird to see. And, and the weird thing for me is it's my club, you know. It's, it, it doesn't feel real. Yeah. Um, that That is the, the important thing about it all here too is that Unlike all those other teams, as you mentioned, that were getting towards the end of their window, we don't even know if Penrith's close to theirs yet. Mm. Like, their best players aren't... They're they're not in their prime yet. No. And then, like, you look at it, they're going to lose players. They just will. That's the salary cap working, and and that's a good thing. Penrith's always provided a lot of players to a lot of clubs. That's cool. But then you look at it, and they won every single lower grade except one. It, it, that's ridiculous. And has never happened before. Yeah, never, ever in the whole history of the game. So, um, but yeah, that that especially the first half against Parramatta, they uh, I don't think anyone was beating them. Uh, they went to a level that I think shocked everyone. Yeah, and, no, they uh, were. <laughs> Their, their line speed was phenomenal. They didn't have to try um, and put on early points. Mm. I mean, they got them, but you could just tell the way they were playing the game. They wanted to get they wanted to get on the board, the board first. Mm-hmm. I think every team does in a grand final. Even they were surprised by how, how easily they were getting ahead. Mm. Um, I think I remember looking at one stage at the... There's about 20 minutes left to go in the game. And Brian Toto had made more kick return meters than Parramatta's back three. Well, I know. It's so first... it was something along those lines. And I remember, I remember yeah. looking up because it's something that I made a prediction about. And mm-hmm. I know that at the end of the match, Parramatta got back into the game and Gutherson ended up making a few big meters. And I think it ruined the stat that I had going. But it was looking mm-hmm. like it was on for quite a while there. I'm almost certain that in the first half he had more metres than the entire paramatic pack combined. I wouldn't be surprised that Penrith's running metres was through the roof. Yeah. Um, especially post-contact metres. Mm-hmm. Just so far ahead of what, what Parramatta was achieving. Um, it was absurd. When, when I watched the replay back, 
And I remember during the game, I was like, I want the record. Not 40, 40 plus. <laughs> and it, was, and look, it was on. It was. And, and watching the replay, um, it was just, and I won't say unlucky for Penrith because they, they had a lot of the bounce of the ball in that game. But um, I think it was there was a little bit of luck on the side of Parramatta that it didn't go that way because it could have really easily gone that way. Um, you know, but it wasn't like Parramatta weren't there as an opponent. Like Parramatta was there as an opponent. It wasn't like they completely fell apart. It was just that Penrith just went to this completely different level, and it was like, yeah. who's 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 stopping that? It's not like they went like up a gear. They went up all the gears. <laughs> yeah, and like seeing. Seen Sevo getting smashed all the time. Like he, they were, and, and they belted everyone. Like they, yeah. they were blasting everyone. Um, it was incredible. Uh, like oh, yeah. it was just, it was a dream to watch as a supporter. So, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Very impressive performances, no doubt about that. Um, and you've got to say at this point too that. Surely they're favourites for next year already. Well, I was I was thinking about this a little bit. Like, how many teams can go to that level? Like, they're not really losing too many players that they can't replace. Like, Api Corosau, I think he did his job for Penrith, but I don't think he was absolutely crucial to them, you know. Um, they've also they've got Sonny Luke there, too, who... Geez, he got, played well in the, the lower grades grand final too. Yeah, lots of big raps about him. I've been hearing about when I hear about a junior player, they're normally pretty good because I, I'm not like Phil Gould who you know pretends that he knew everything. I hear about them from people that know. And, and um so he's one of those players that is like, nah, he's gonna be the guy, don't worry about it. And kick out's gonna be a huge loss. But getting Luke Garner, I think, will will be even if it's 60% of what he's doing, they're still going to be a really good team. I think, you know, I think what you get, though, with Garner is um, you, you don't get the explosiveness that you get with Kikau, mm-hmm. but you get a consistency that Kikau doesn't provide. Yeah, although I think that this season Kikau... Oh, yeah, Kikau's been really, really good this year. Yeah, he, he changed a bit this year. Like last year, I was talking about maybe they need to to look at moving him on because he was inconsistent. This year he was very different, especially in defence. He really was very different player this year in defence. But, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Like, Garner will bring that consistency in, and he's a he's a big dude. He, he moves very well, and um, we'll see. You know, that's the cool thing. But the, the thing is, even if you took Kikau out of the Panthers and didn't replace him with anyone good, like, yeah. Uh, <sighs> You know, it's going to be hard to beat them anyway. Yeah. That's not like the, the depth players mm. are improving at a good enough rate to become regular starters, which means you can just bring through the next batch of juniors and put them on the bench to be the depth players. And yes. so the cycle continues, which is exactly what you want. That's how a, that's how a good working system functions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sonny Luke looks like he's, to me, more skillful in attack than Coruscant, mm. but... Um, I don't think he has the defensive awareness that Coruscant mm-hmm. has. I'm not going to say Coruscant is a great defender. I think he's got 
some weaknesses in defence. But he knows where he needs to be. Mm -hmm. And he knows when he's going to be um, targeted and when to get a defender next to him to help him with that. Uh, So he's very... He's got very good defensive awareness and um, he knows when he needs to get some help to ensure that, you know, someone doesn't go through him to score or ground opportunity, things like that. Um, and that's just something that a lot of, I think a lot of hookers struggle with because I think being the small guy in the forwards, you want to prove that you deserve to be in there and you can you can defend like the big blokes. Mm. Um, Robbie Farrell was guilty of that for most of his career. But I think a, a smart hooker will know when they need to get help and they're not afraid to go and ask for it. Um, and that's what Coruscant is really good at. Um, so it will be interesting to see, though. I'm, I'm excited to see Luke playing first grade, though. I reckon he's going to be... I reckon he's just going to slot right into that side and not they're not going to skip a beat. Might even yeah. sharpen up their attack a little bit more. Yeah, and, and it, like, the thing, too, is Coruscant... Um, Sometimes he could get injury prone. He was pretty good this year, but sometimes he could get a little bit injury prone and be in and out the side a bit. And yeah, if Luke can get a combination going with Cleary, that's going to be pretty scary, especially when you consider that, like like you say, he's got a little bit more of a skill factor than Coruscant. Um, and working behind that pack, I mean, geez, I mean, most hookers are going to look good behind that pack. So. Um, well, it opens up a lot of opportunities for Cleary too, because at the moment, most of the combinations he's working with are with his um, second rowers yeah. and his centres. Yeah. And if he can get a good combination with Luke, I mean, that's going to almost allow Cleary to move a little bit more infield mm-hmm. and create combinations with the guys in the middle, as well as keeping the ones he's got on the, with the guys on the edges. And it's just, it's going to expand his game even more and make him even more dangerous, which is crazy to think. Yeah, it really is. And, and, and like, Looking ahead like that, I was thinking, well, who are the teams that are going to... And look, we're so far out. You don't know what's going to happen. The West Tigers haven't even started their player recruitment yet. But they've still got a few months before that happens. But um, who <laughs> is going to... Ch- actually. <laughs> who's going to challenge them? And, and I, straight away, I think North Queensland, just because of their trajectory that they're on. But I don't think they've got the skill factor at the moment to go with the Panthers. No, at the um, moment, no team is in Panthers' ballpark. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's really weird. It's mm-hmm. weird. I, I, as a Panthers fan, it's like, it doesn't feel real. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, coming out of the grand final, of course, Panthers were arrogant. Um, they celebrated. I don't know if you saw this. They were celebrating winning a grand final, which is just disgusting. Um. And there were a few things that come out of it. There was Appy Coruscant got <laughs> got. It was funny. Appy, poor Appy Coruscant. Is that if they've just won the grand final? He's wearing three wing, rings that he's won over his career, and he's like, "Yeah, someone's recording him." He's like, "Yeah," and whoever's recording him said, "You're not going to get another one at the West Tigers," and he just walks away because he's like, "Fuck, man." <laughs> and then at the grand final celebration. He said, like, I'll hopefully get another one at the West Tigers. And it was dead silence. And he was like, oh, man. And everyone laughed. And people thought it was him taking the piss out of the West Tigers. And it's like, what's he supposed to do? Like, he's he's at least, like, talking about the West Tigers. He's talking about his future. But people took yeah. that as a slide against the West Tigers. It's like, oh, man, come no, on. It, 
I, I was making the argument, okay, because I fully agree with him. And I made the same same goddamn joke on, on Twitter after the grand final. I said, what a way for Appy Coruscant to finish his finals playing career. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, mm-hmm. his attitude in that there, and this is not directed solely at him, mm. to me it's a it's a attitude that most players have towards the West Tigers, and that is it's a payday. Mm. It's a place you go to for a payday. Mm-hmm. Now I had a few people telling me, "Oh, he's been telling the club that he he really wants to uh, make the Tigers better and all sort of stuff." And I'm going, "Well, of course, you, you know, of course you're going to say that when you're getting paid good dollars." Yeah. Um, and even if it's true, that that's good. That's great. I'm I'm happy with that. But at the same time, the Tigers have rolled over too often on players misbehaving or being treated like crap or missing out on contracts and stuff like this, and they're dead last. Mm. It's about time someone in that club had a bit of balls. Instead of just saying, oh, we had a chat with him and he regrets what he says. No, do something. <laughs> I don't care what it is. Yes, I'd like to have Apicoros out of the club. But at the same time, if the club came out and said, we're no longer going to stand for being ridiculed and being a laughing stock. We know that we're dead last and we're working tirelessly behind the scenes to try and improve our image and improve our on-field performance. And if players are going to treat us like that, then we don't want them at the club and they tear up his contract. I'm not saying they should do that, but I'm saying if they went and did that, I'd have more respect for that club than if they came out and they said, oh, we had a chat and everything's fine. Yeah, I, under- I understand this you know, it's just, Yeah, They just constantly continue being spineless. I, I think the thing <laughs> is, though, that, like, if... if... <sighs> When the clubs – and, like, you've talked about it for years now, right? If the clubs are joke, they end up being the punchline of everyone's jokes, you know? And yeah. I think the, the, the problem – and, look, we're talking about the West Tigers again. How crazy is it? The, the, Thanks, Appy. <laughs> good one, Appy. If, if you – Why uh, is it we're talking about a grand final and we're still talking about the wooden spooners? I know. What the fuck? Anyway, he – like, but I get the, I get the sentiment – um, and I, I think that the, the problem for the Tigers is they're 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 such a joke um, internally that they don't even recognise that everyone else is telling jokes about them. You know, like the the thing about they're not making the finals, ninth place, blah blah blah, like that. There was a little bit of a giggle you could have about that eight yeah. years ago. Now it's like this is ridiculous, but the club internally is not picking up on that and no. I, I think that that's that's part of the problem you know i i can't imagine that you could get away with a lot of that shit if you're going to the storm for instance you know um i don't think dane laurie last year would have been wearing a panthers jersey and celebrating the grand final victory for penrith if he was a storm player for instance no um, well, i was even talking what was it the other day that um brett maiden was seen at the panthers celebrations yeah uh, yeah and look like, i mean he's not wearing a panthers jumper he's not out there mocking the west tigers or anything like that he's there with mates who he played footy with i understand that it's fine so i wasn't that worried about dane laurie doing what he did either sure it wasn't a good look he was wearing a panthers jumper but i mean these are blokes he grew up with and he was childhood's mates with and probably still is hmm. i understand that the happy chorus has a different one because he's got he doesn't really have strong ties with Penrith. You know, he came from another club to get there. Yeah, but he, he went from the Panthers, didn't he, to the to Manly. 
and then come yeah. back. So, but like, he, but I'm, what I'm getting at, he hasn't come through with the same class as Cleary and all those guys. Yeah, I get that. I get yeah. that. Yeah, he's a little bit, you know, a little bit separated from them all. Yeah. Um, so it, it feels a little bit different, but uh, I don't know. I'm not saying, as I said, I'm not saying I don't want Chorus out of the club. I do, but I'm just saying that at some point the club's got to go. You know what? We don't care who the player is. If they're going to take the shit out of us when we're trying to do something good, um, whether they are or not, I don't know. But they've got an image now of being a fucking laughing stock. They've worked hard for that image. Mm-hmm. It's an image that they shouldn't have. I hope it's an image they don't want, and I hope it's an image that they want to shake and get rid of as quickly as possible. But yielding to a new player when they mock the club so openly like that, I don't know. It shows just how spineless they are. Yeah, I, I get that. I get feeling that way. And, and look, the thing that needs to be remembered is the, what Coruscant said. He didn't say anything in the first video. Like he, no, no, no. It's he, not the first. It was when when he said, "Yeah, I can't wait to add another ring to the collection." When after you know at the West Tigers, and he goes, Pfft. "And yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely spot on. You're not going to, but uh, you know, a professional wouldn't wouldn't do that." Yeah, and and the thing to remember, and this this was like really disappointing for me because I watched the grand final. I was up all night, and it was it come through really late that Penrith were gonna, and it must have been like eleven thirty, <laughs> maybe even twelve o'clock at night. It come through that Penrith was gonna open the gates to the stadium at like something like seven thirty to celebrate at eight thirty on the Monday, <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> Like, what the hell are they doing? Because I know if I was one of those players, I would have been in no state. They wouldn't have even let me on the stage. <laughs> um, and so I was shocked that we didn't get more stuff like that at the, the grand final celebration. <laughs> they were pretty tame considering. Hang on. I, I heard Paul Kent complaining, mate. I, I was of the impression that they were doing that all the time. Well, like... They were shitting on Parramatta and some other garbage. By the way, can I just say something, Andrew? Yeah, well, mate, it's a podcast, absolutely. <laughs> no, I'm going to draw a picture. Hang on. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's so much better. Let me do an interpretive dance instead. Um, <laughs> if you're a club that hasn't won anything for a while, and you spend all, and and you and I'm not going to name names, but if you're a club that hasn't won anything for quite some time, let's say decades, and you lose a semi. You, it's not even a semi final. It was one of the, the you know, I think it was week two. You lose a week two final, and then you say, oh, but we would have won if, if, if. No one else is thinking that but you. And then the next season, you do well during the regular season, without question. Beat the champions twice. Only team to do that during the regular season, and you fucking strut around like you're the king shit. And then you get to the grand final. You, in fact, you get to the finals. You lose your first game. That's fine. You know, you scramble back to the grand final and then get fucking annihilated. You've just got to cop it. You've got to eat that shit sandwich. Oh, and yeah, you've got to take that L. You do. And, look, earlier in the year, and I think it might have been the, those games that the Panthers lost, where I talked about you've got sometimes as a fan, you've got to eat a shit sandwich. And that's what the Panthers had to do during the regular season. And to the, the Parramatta Eels' credit, the, the players, I, I didn't see many of them complaining about Penrith. I did see a couple of them. One of the uh, 
news organizations made uh, Sean Lane watch the Panthers celebration and then comment on it. And he said, well, if I'd won the grand final, I wouldn't have acted like that. And it's like, yeah, that's why yeah, that's why you're commenting it about fucking ifs, ifs, ands, or maybes, buddy. I uh, like the fact that when that when Parramatta wins the grand final, they go and look at each other and they just shake each other's hand. They go, jolly good show, sir. Right, yes. I'm off to bed. They, it's they, far too late for me. I'm off to bed. They literally burnt down their stadium. <laughs> and they fucking say it. There's nothing to say about the Panthers' grand final celebrations, you know. And then, there, it, like, as you say, there was the, the media whinged about um, players from other clubs, you know, but not even celebrating with the Panthers players. It was, like, later on in the week, and they were just all hanging out as mates and just uh, silliness. And, and it was it was funny to see how there were so many people on Twitter who jumped on the bandwagon and just listened to the media. And they were like, oh, the fucking Panthers are a disgrace. It's like... You can't have it both ways. Like, if the media is fucking putrid, you can't then turn around and just sprout what the media says. You know, you've got to use your own brain. And uh, that was silly. None of it mattered to the Panthers or Panthers fans. Like, no, I don't think anyone gave a fuck from, from our side of it. So, um, but, like, you know, when you see another team doing that sort of shit, I understand you want to do it yourself and you're like, fuck those guys. I get that mentality. I really do. Because even if you love sport and stuff like I think of the Golden State Warriors and they beat my Houston Rockets in some bloody heartbreaking games, right? Yeah. And I, I love watching great plays do stuff. It's watching Steph Curry, you know, throwing up 50 million three-pointers in the game like it's a video game. It's incredible. But you still got that twang in your chest of like, fuck those guys at some point, you know? <laughs> so I get it. I get it. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of the uh, the dickhead in the media, mm-hmm. Paul Kent, mm-hmm. he there, there's an article about him, obviously, because it wasn't, you know, Penrith obviously stopped celebrating, so there's nothing else to talk about. Yeah, yeah. There's a world thingy on, but, you know, we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? Who knows anything about that? Um, Paul Kent fired back at dickheads and idiots on Twitter. <laughs> now, when I read this article, and I'm just going to read... His quote's okay. Okay. It felt like someone describing Paul Kent. Okay, go for it. <laughs> okay. So these are just the quotes, okay? So And they're in order in the article. So he's talking about um, labels. He labelled the, the Panthers players as rat mugs. Um, he calls social media trolls idiots and dickheads. I'm not on social media, but I get occasional emails from the dickhead. Seriously, they are adult men who paint their faces. How can you let them dictate to you? I really don't care. Twitter is a made-up place full of made-up people shouting made-up opinions that they all agree on. Anyone who don't, doesn't agree is blocked. You can't value their comments. If it was intelligent or rational reasoning that was different to mine, then I might be worried I got it wrong. But it's not. It's not logical thinking. Is that not Buzz he's talking about there? I know. Like, it's just... <laughs> That is uh, projecting pretty hard, hey? If their comments were considered and still different to mine, then I might have reason to give them weight and take them seriously, but they're really just baseless opinions and their own disagreements. I don't write to be controversial, but I think there's a really strong group of men aged between 18 and 24. (laughs) What? He's even broken in the demographics who really dislike me, but that drops off pretty quickly when I think of men in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s and 70s 
agree with me most of the time. Uh, look, as we've both discussed, I mean, Freaky and I are both, you know, 48, 49 years old. Fuck you, idiot. <laughs> I'm going to strongly say right now, as, as two, two blokes in their near 50s, we fucking hate most of what Paul Ken has to say. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, as far as people liking me or disliking me, who cares? I'm always suspicious of people who say they don't have an enemy in the world. If you haven't got the strength to make an enemy, then you haven't got the strength to make a true friend either. I've got as many of those that I need. It's funny he says that because this was in the week where uh, another journo wrote a sensational article about Nathan Cleary hanging out with his mates and having a very quiet beer and how disgraceful it was. And it's like, yeah, I, I get that a journalist doesn't understand what having friends is. Um <laughs> These people don't have friends. No, like no one wants to be around them. But just, just in closing, I would just like to say um, to contact Alcoholics Anonymous Australia. The number is one three hundred two 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 two. And if you also have a problem with alcohol, make sure you call that number. They'll help you. They will. There was there was one last thing. Okay. You put on there. Um, when you talked about Penrith. Mm-hmm. They're carrying on like 16-year-old schoolboys. The carry-on from some of the players since winning is immature and lacks humility. And then when we're talking about um, the Panthers last year, he says you can't educate mugs. And so much of that just sounds like he's talking about the media. Yeah, it really does. What I just they know about behaviour? Yeah. They jump on car bonnets for fuck's sake. I just like the... Poor immature Kent. and lacks humility? Yeah, look, Paul Kent, I know you're listening. I just hope you enjoy the taste of our cock in your mouth for the next six months. You know what's interesting on here is that he knows the demographics of these people who agree with him. He knows there's people who agree with him on social media, which means he is on there. Yeah. So (laughs) why does he go and call it a made-up place when he's on there? He's clearly on there. So now the job is we've got to find his burner. (laughs) It's they're just they're putrid people. Yeah, they're, they're so putrid. But what can you do? Not no one in Penrith cares. <laughs> like no. they're not. These people are out of the game. The difference between him and some fuckwit on Twitter is that he he has a bigger platform to do it through, and that's only because he's able to you know get a coin for his employee because of the things he says is so fucking outrageous that people are drawn to it. It's like when there's a fire, people run to it with water, and that's the that's the clickbait model. And he is part of the clickbait model. Um, Except you know, he starts the fire and then turns all the taps off. Well, well, he starts the fire, and when people try and put the fire out, he stands back and says, well, they're the trolls. It's like, <laughs> fuck off, idiot. Go and have another 20, you dumb idiot. But just to show also how... how um... How much of a boomer he is. Mm. He only talks about men who argue with him or agree with him. Mm. Apparently women don't exist. Yeah. There's a really strong group of men, age between 18 and 24, who really hate him. And the people who like him are men in the... Uh, maybe that just means that women are smarter than us. Well, he's just a... He's just irrelevant. Imagine being an old fuck that has to scream like that 
to try and be relevant. Relevant. It's 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 sad. I just want to know if he was holding a golf stick at the time he said all uh, this. Probably, probably. Now, I saw something ridiculous yesterday on the news, and it was uh, the owner of the Manly Seagulls. He had they had apparently some extraordinary meeting. Not just a meeting. It was an extraordinary meeting. I wonder if they put that on the actual memo. <laughs> yeah, probably. We're not uh, having a, we're not having a, a, a usual meeting. This is going to be an extraordinary meeting. Please bring a plate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be sandwiches. Don't make it an ordinary plate. Make it an extraordinary plate. I, I wonder what the the secret thing is when you know a meeting's going in a bad way. Like if they if it's sandwiches, you know it's going to be a long meeting. But what if it's like a really serious meeting where you might get fired? I, I wonder what it is. It's like. It's probably like bring your laptop or something, you know. <laughs> anyway, so they had an extraordinary meeting and there's a lot of behind-the-scenes bullshit going on at Manly and it's to do with Des Hasler. And I'm not really sure what's going on completely, but it's pretty clear that Manly Seagulls want to get rid of Des Hasler for some reason. Okay, there was a clause in his contract that said if he didn't reach a certain ladder position, which he only just missed out on, I think it might have been sixth place or something like that, um, then it would mean that Manly had the right to terminate his contract. And he, well, I believe what's happened is he's arguing that the Pride jersey fiasco mm-hmm. was what derailed their season because they were in the top eight at the time. Mm-hmm. But from that point onwards, the club didn't consult with the players about whether they were okay with the Pride jumper. Yeah. A lot of the players got disgruntled. They they pulled out. Um, some of them apparently weren't putting in as much after then, which is, I mean, try and argue that. Good luck. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's, I think he's pretty much saying that the season turned on its head with the pride jumper. He he took one for the club to front up for the club and take ownership of all of that on the club's behalf. And now they're looking at giving him the ass. Um, if it if it's if that's basically how it's all broken down, then I'm on Des's side. Um, and it's not because of the pride jumper, but it's just more the fact that he did something for the club to help them out when they were struggling. And, you know, like struggling in the media to explain why they did the pride jersey thing. He was very, very... He fronted um, up. Yeah, but he, was, he did it in a very professional, very professional and very... Um, measured Considerate and measured manner which saved the club a lot of face, but also didn't get the players offside or the the community that was impacted by it. Um, he handled that remarkably well. And to be put in a position now after that where he might lose his job, I think that's fucking rough. It just seems like, um, I don't know, it seems like, and we've talked about Des Hasler as a coach, and for whatever reason, he works at Manly and he doesn't work, work elsewhere. That's fine. But uh, it it just seems like it's not the time for the Manly Seagulls to be uh, to be messing with things. They need some stability right now. And yeah, anyway, so the, the, the owner, who was completely absent during the whole Pride thing, um, yes. they, they have the extraordinary meeting, and he walks out of that meeting and talks straight to to Daniel Widler, right? As, as you do. Unbelievable. And he says, We're, we think we've got a premiership winning team here and what we did this year wasn't good enough. And so we're looking at our options with the coach, which is 
the worst sort of owner to have. Like, and, and I said on Twitter, like, this is why Russell Crowe was such a great owner because when when things go bad, he shuts up. And yeah. when somebody at the club says, we need something, he gives it to them. And when they win, he doesn't make himself front and centre, you know. Um, I can't remember that. Like, they were in the, the second last week of the finals. You didn't see Russell Crowe parading around, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's the sort of owner you want. It's exactly what you want out of an owner. He's an amazing owner. And yet here you've got Scott Penn, I believe his name is, who just comes out, throws the coach under the bus. The, he, Des Hasler cannot coach this team next year now after those comments. And then his replacement, and he said this during the interview, that he talked about, They've identified Anthony Seabole as a very yeah. good, and it's like, are you fucking serious? Yeah. By what measure would anybody with half a fucking brain think that Anthony Seabold, after taking the Broncos to their worst results in the club's history and making them historically one of the worst defensive teams in the whole history of the competition over a century, why would you look at that and see before it? Broncos were not too bad. After it, the Broncos needed a complete rebuild, and Kevin Walters has done miracles just to get to them to miss the finals, you know? Yeah. Why would you look at Anthony Seabold's time as a first-grade coach and think, that's the guy we need here? I hope they get him, because that's who they deserve if that's their thinking. And it just reminded me of a lot of West Tigers bullshit, where it's like, Stupid comments, stupid ideas, and they're going to get the results they deserve. Yeah. No, I fully agree. It, it's one of the weirdest things I saw when I saw that they were talking about Seabold. I was like, you you can't be serious. My my, Even the defensive stuff, the on-field stuff aside, I'm not sure that Anthony Seabold is mentally ever going to be in a place to be a first-grade coach again. Like the breakdown that he had emotionally through his time with the Broncos and that whole saga with the, what, some online rumour thing? Yeah, there was some weird online rumour. I can't even remember what that was I don't even know. I can't remember what it was all about, but it was such a crazy story that went on. And it completely sidetracked him. And it sounded like utter nonsense, the whole thing, yet it completely sidetracked him. And he broke down over it. Yeah, and and the other... The other thing is, too, like, while he was, as things were going bad, but they weren't catastrophic at the Broncos, you and me were talking about the things he was saying in press conferences and and being like, this is weird. Like, what's going on here with this guy? And then the Broncos kept getting worse and worse and to the point where it was a catastrophe for the club. And they, I mean, all sorts of people lost their jobs over that. Coaching staff, he lost his job. CEO moved on. There was all sorts of people. Um cost the Broncos a lot of money. Mm. They're still recovering from Anthony Seabold's time. And to be another club and say, you know what, let's give that guy a chance with our team, it's extraordinary. And if that's what the Seagulls owner wants, he's going to get it. You know, He'll get exactly what he pays for. Yeah, it's, it's madness. How can you... To think that you're... Right, debate aside, if you if you're genuinely certain that you've got a team that can win the premiership, why would you get a coach who is not 
capable of taking a team that's premiership ready to a grand final. Yeah. It's not like Seabold had a crap team when he was at the Broncos. He had a really good... Remember, it was like... They were in the finals the year before he got there. Sure, they got flogged by a Parramatta 58 blot in the first week of the finals, but they made the finals. They had a team that was better than eight other teams. You, You can go back to our podcasts that we did where we said, you know, the two teams to watch coming up are the Broncos and then the Panthers probably behind them because they're two very good young sides. They're just stacked with talent. And if they get better, they will be the teams to beat for a very long time, and it's really scary. And then Anthony Seabolt stepped in. And now look where the Broncos are. Um, murdered their chances. Yeah. I can't believe. And, and like, has LeCant coached that team now? Once the owner says that, it's just impossible for him to be at that club. Uh, I think that they've done dirty by him, but the Manly Seagulls tend to do dirty by coaches, and they're going to get what they deserve from it. So I hope that they do sign Anthony Seabold. I hope they sign him to a really big, fat contract that Scott Penn will have to pay out of his own pocket to the guy when they fucking shit the bed. Look, it's good news for the West Tigers, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Is there any chance we can get a hold of uh, Scott Penn's details and let him know about a really good assistant coach that's on the market too? Who's that? Well, he's currently doing a bit of commentary for the uh, Fox Sports Web's uh, commentary team every now and then. Oh, that guy. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable assistant coach. He's amazing. Yeah, he'd be fantastic. Yeah. When you look at his resume, it's an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember, actually, around that same time when he was at his probably most interesting? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Was that around the same time that Manly players were being injected with calves blood, allegedly? It was... Was it calves blood? I think it it was. was calves blood, yeah. So, yeah, it was around that time. Yeah. So, look, experience. Yeah, look, experience. (laughs) 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 Oh, shit. Good times. Good times. And <laughs> you are self-censoring so much right now. When uh, <laughs> leading into listen, leading into grand final week, I heard some things by former Sharks people about the Panthers, who and they thought they what they thought they chances were coming into the grand final, and I just had to just internalize all of my feelings because I I would have said some stuff. Well, look. One thing I will go back on to about the grand final. Mm-hmm. I said that I thought the, the winning score would be Penrith to win 32-12. to 12. Mm-hmm. Cleary's two missed goals cost me that. Damn. Expert, that's all I can say. <laughs> now, uh, we'll move on because there is a thing on at the moment. I don't know if you've heard. Did you know that the 2021 mm-hmm. Rugby League World Cup is about to start? I know it's 2022. I know it's starting sometime soon. I yeah. know that their marketing has been really good because you and me being two rugby league tragics who love the sport, haven't heard a great deal about it. No. So um, it's good marketing. Their marketing <laughs> team is on, on point. I signed up to the Rugby League World Cup 2021 um, email notifications thing quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. And all I tend to get from them is – them selling me, for some reason, blue England Rugby League merchandise. Yeah. That's it. 
Yeah, I'm thinking, good. what about the other news and the all the other teams playing? No, 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 no. This is it's just another wing of the RFL. Um, but anyway, apparently, I'm not, I'm not sure if you're aware of this because I certainly wasn't. Mm-hmm. It starts this weekend. Yeah, is it? It's the quietest start to a World Cup I can ever remember. How about I you? I legit thought it was next week. <laughs> I get that. I get that. Um, that they had some warm-up games, which were also very quiet, which is fair enough. You know, I can see where you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to blow your load early in terms of the World Cup <laughs> kickoff. You know, well, should, we go through, should we quickly go through the results of the warm-up games? Yeah, hit me with some of the results. All right, Greece played Bradford Bulls, and they had a thirty-four all draw. Well, that's promising. <laughs> Lebanon played. Played Wales. Mm-hmm. Lebanon were leading 24-6 at half time. Um, final score, Lebanon 38, Wales 22. Uh, the Scotland took on the England Knights, which is basically an England development team. And the Knights won 28-4. Wow. Um, I think you and Aiken might be the only player for Scotland with NRL... Uh, who's a current NRL player. Okay. Um, Tonga played France, and Tonga won 48-12. to 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's been it. I think also there was a game, New Zealand absolutely decimated Leeds as well. Wasn't that like 80-0 or something? Yeah, I think, it, I feel like it was maybe, it was 70-something to There was something crazy like that. Yeah, and um, then, then there was uh, England beat Fiji. That's right. But, yeah. Yeah. But, and that was like 40-something to nil. <coughs> um, but the Fiji, I looked at the Fijian team and it was not near their best team. It looked like they were just getting some, some Ks into the legs of a lot of the players that were in their extended squad, which is, you know, what these games are for. Yes. Um, I think Australia saw Scotland's performance and thought, well, we don't need a warm-up game. We'll just have ours in the first week of the World Cup against Scotland. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... Uh, the thing is, the other thing that's been going on, mm-hmm. and I know you'll have a bit to say about this one, is some unknown goddamn reason, probably just merchandising, um, the organisers have said that the the jersey numbers for the World Cup have to be locked in. So each player has their own specific number. It's not going to be um, based on your position on the field like normal people are accustomed to. Yep, like rugby league since 1895, you mean? Yeah. Um, it's going to be every player's got their own specific jumper number. Um, now, Australia decided, I think, what, what Mel Meninga decided to do, instead of giving away who he thinks was going to be his number one halfback option, he then num- gave numbers from one to whatever based on who's played the most tests for Australia, which meant DC got the higher number, but there was a reason for it, and it wasn't because he thought DC was better or anything like that. He had this flimsy reason behind it. But because he did it like that, and not the way that the Poms like, which is you name your 1-17 to and then everyone else picks a number after that or some stupid thing, which is basically what we have, but we change it so that it's the same 1-17 to position-wise, not player-wise. Um, England fans got cranky because they were like, you're not doing it right. Yeah, so so that it's squad numbers versus positional numbers, and they said 
everyone has to do squad numbers. So Australia said okay. And so Australia put gave their players squad numbers. And then England said, oh, no, what are you doing? And Australia was like, we did squad numbers. You told us to. And they're like, that's not what we want. Why have we got all of these players with weird numbers? And it's like, well, what numbers do you want? And they're like, well, we want you to number them by position. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> you fucking morons. And all I have heard is a bunch of fucking whinges and people that are really have sadness oozing out of them, whinging at me about, oh, the Australian team's so disrespectful. It's like they did exactly what they were asked to do. And yeah. when you put it to these people, like, what do you want Australia to have done? What they want Australia to have done is use positional numbers. And it's like, well, let us use them then. Yeah. And the, like I had people saying, well, it's good for marketing, which I I don't think it is. Like, No, I, they've got this thing, no. it's good for marketing, because they think, well, you know, Michael Jordan showed a shit ton of fucking 23 jumpers. Yeah. And rugby league doesn't work like that. It, oh, it happens in every other World Cup. It's like, I don't care what other World Cups do. We play rugby league. And we've always used positional numbers. And if you want to use squad numbers, cool, we did that. And it was funny because these people were arguing against their own ideas. So they were saying, well, it's good for marketing if somebody can go and buy a jersey of a player and they know it's their number. And you say, well, they can do that. They're like, yeah, but not that number. And it just all comes back to their own ego in yeah. that they want players to have certain numbers that they choose, not Australia chooses. And then it's like, well, they should have picked their first, their top 17 in the order. And it's like, look, Penrith just won the grand final with Nathan Cleary as a halfback. But I can't tell you who the best option is for halfback for Australia. Like, I can make a really good argument for DCE and I can make a really good argument for Cleary. I don't think there's a clear number one there. I can see if Mal Meninga plays with DCE as a halfback through the whole tournament, I wouldn't blow up about it because I, I get it, you know. So who, who do they think should get that seven jersey? And th that's what it comes down to. They want what they want, yeah. you know, and it's just an ego thing. And it, it's they made a problem for themselves and they don't like that problem and it gives them a reason to whinge about Australia. And at the end of the day, no one will give a shit because Australia will go much further into the World Cup than England ever will and they can all just cry into their fucking gravy boats. I would have liked to have seen Australia come out and give everyone a number from 74 to 99. That would have been awesome. I thought and of the, that. And the captain gets number 69. That would have been fucking amazing. <laughs> I actually thought if they had a, if they have numbered everyone from ninety nine backwards, that would have been yeah, well, that's amazing. basically the same thing. That'd have been yeah. great. Yeah, but uh, it just shows the ego of people in that part of the rugby league world where they 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 will tell you to do something, and then when you do exactly as they asked, they will say you did it the wrong way, and then they like I had people saying to me like. Oh, these rugby league players, they'd walk down the street in Manchester and no one would know who they are and squad numbers could have changed that. And it's like, first of all, I have more faith in the game than you do. <laughs> Second of all, if that's the case, squad numbers ain't going to do shit, you know? No. And, and last but Ima not least... Imagine that going, 
I wonder who that bloke is. And he takes his shirt off and you just look at the back and you see number 13 and you go, oh, now I know because I know what 13 means in the green jumper. Yeah, exactly. It was it, their, their arguments were so ridiculous. <laughs> and I, I just, it, it was, it was ridiculous. They're, and they were arguing against their own ideas. Um, so I'm glad that Australia numbered their team like that. And anybody that doesn't like it, can go get fucked. I've got a, I've got a problem. Okay, put yourself in one of those uh, English fans' shoes, okay? Mm-hmm. I've got a quandary. Mm-hmm. What if three people who are big fans of James Tedesco are walking through Bradford mm-hmm. and they're all wearing, you know, James Tedesco's jumper with whatever number he chose on the back of it? And then James Tedesco turns up. And all these three people go, oh, James, we love you. Blah, blah, blah. But no one hears this conversation. How does the casual fan from Bradford know which one is James Tedesco? <laughs> Everyone's James Tedesco. I de- by the way, when you're in England, right, and you yeah. buy a jersey and you want a number on the back of it, why is this yeah. so difficult? Yeah, it's complicated. There's a fucking iron on patch. It's like, a process. Yeah, like, what the fuck? It's a process, my friend. It's a process. It's, uh, I mean, you've got to find someone who understands how numbers work. It's so silly. It's so silly. And, and they whinged, they've whinged nonstop about it. And they've said, Australia's disrespectful. I had, I saw one person saying, just some fucking random, you know, saying, oh, this just shows that Australia is so introspective and, and they don't care about the rest of the world. And I said, like, you mean the the nation that has provided every single last elite player to this World Cup that every single nation is using that that nation? <laughs> fucking dopes. People are fucking dumb, aren't they? How do you be disrespectful to a system that was never clarified? <laughs> I know. So, okay, we need you to put a number on the back of your jumper, and if Australia had gone up and gone right, we're going to put triangles on the back. Maybe there's an argument there. Yeah, I would get. But that. No, there wasn't. Yeah, yeah. They use the they use numbers, but they're like the Star Wars font, so it's all weird <laughs> symbols and shit. Sans. Yeah, yeah. Be, be properly disrespectful. Go with Comic Sans. Yeah, that, it, it, but they did exactly what they were asked to do, and the Poms whinged, and not all of them, but just the the typical ones. You know the typical ones. You know how there's the English fans that are like. And you talk to them and you have it, you know, you, they're rugby league fans. But then you get the ones that are like, weird. It was the weirdos that complained. It always is. Yeah. It always is. I, I, don't, I don't get it. It's, it's been such a huge drama for no goddamn reason. And mm-hmm. it's such a stupid idea. I hate locked in jumper numbers. It makes zero sense. Um, It's just... It's just fucking stupid. Well, it, it really is fucking stupid. And in rugby league, you have never owned your number. You, it's a, it's your, the positions number. Yeah. And it, that has been the case for forever since 1895. And this idea that like we get to a World Cup and then we completely change it, and it's just some marketing dope who's said that oh we should do this. We'll we'll make this different. I wonder well, they, if they've done it because the English commentators only get to watch a, 
you know, like five different teams playing Super League, so they don't know everybody that's going to be there. <laughs> so we can, if we have a cheat sheet that every single player is going to be wearing the same number, it's a bit easy for us to commentate. How will rugby? And this is the thing: it's like, how will rugby league fans know who the player is? It's like, well, they're fucking rugby league fans. And if yeah. it just say, let's go <laughs> to the other end. Just say you're watching a rugby league game, and you don't know any of the players on the field. Does it really matter? No, it doesn't. You're watching the game. Yeah. And nobody is going to fucking start watching this World Cup because Nathan Cleary's got number seven on his back instead of whatever number he's fucking got now. I'm not watching because Cleary's wearing 14. Yeah, it's like, it's so dumb. It is so stupid. The people of Bradford are going to be really pissed that Cleary's not wearing seven. (laughs) Cleary could walk down the street wearing whatever fucking number he wants on his back in Bradford and no one will know who the hell he is. And then, like, I had somebody saying, I had somebody fucking tweet me today, and I, I must have said something about how Nathan Cleary's a million. It was I don't even know what I said, but apparently I was talking about how Nathan Cleary makes a million bucks a year, right? And they messaged me and it went on this spiel about I'd said this, and I was like, listen, I don't know what I said. It means something to you, but I don't even know who the fuck you are. Like, this conversation they had with me, I don't remember it, but it really stuck with him. I don't know who this fucking person is, but they were really fucking holding on to this conversation I had. And they were like, oh, it's nothing compared to what soccer players make. It's like, I, I, I probably reckon that Nathan Cleary is cool with how much he earns. He's a millionaire every year. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, it's it's been insane. It's but There's been a lot of uh, sadness oozing. In the last two weeks, hey? Yeah. Kind of weird to see. It really is. It's, um, mind you, not as weird as something that I was, that we saw. I think we might have mentioned in the last um, podcast, mm. Ralph Remmer commenting on the Fiji inside. Yeah, and he did it. What was the occasion? I can't remember what the occasion was. It was a rugby football league occasion. It might have been one of their awards dinners or something. Mm. And he made a joke, well, what he thought was a joke. The Fijian team was over there at the time, or part of the Fijian team. Yeah. And he and he mentioned that, and he said, none of them have been arrested yet. And it was very uh, off remark from an official in the game. Yeah, I don't think his intention, and this is just me guessing, okay, mm-hmm. I don't think his intention was to say that the Fijian players were criminals by nature. I think it was more along the he was trying to say something along the lines of, you know, the World Cup's about to start and nothing bad has happened. Yeah. I, it I was agree. Not so much that. a comment on Fijians, but the way he worded it and the way he said it and what he said was a complete clusterfuck. And he took too long to go back on those words and, and apologize for what he said. Did he even apologize? They said he apologized. Oh, right. Um, now, but then we had, what, a, a few days later, Eddie Hemmings criticising oh, some of the players because he didn't think that they were legit. No, no so so who's the young uh, Newcastle winger? The Dom Young. Dom Young, that's it. Yeah, his brother's playing for Jamaica and Dom's playing for England in the World Cup. Yeah, now they were born and raised in England. They're yeah. English blokes, right? Yep. And um, at one point, Young was going to play for Jamaica. Yep. Because he qualifies for Jamaica, as you say, like his brother. 
and he's he got selected in the England team because he's, he had a really good season in the NRL. I like him as a player. He's got a few things he's got to work on, but that you can see why somebody at Newcastle is like, like he's got the base of a player that could be very good as a winger, right? Yeah. So he, uh, so he's born and raised in England, and Eddie Hemmings um, was talking to the England coach, and he was talking about the England team, and he said something along the lines of, "Oh, and you've got a player like Dom Young, who's not really English, but he's in the England team, and it's like, man, and and if you know what." It's not very often on the podcasts I talk about something that really upsets me, but this really upset me, like made me sad, upset, because we see it sometimes with the New South Wales team where they will select players who are born and raised in New South Wales, and you will see people say, well, why are they playing for New South Wales? And it's like these, these young men were born and raised here, grew up in the same suburbs and areas that I did. You know, they're... they're they're my locals, you know, they're my people. And people look at the colour of their skin and think, well, they're not really one of us. And it's like, you disgusting fucking pigs. It fucking makes me sick, you know. Here's this young guy that is, he's as English as anybody else in the England team except for Victor Radley, who's Australian. And to have somebody say that about him, it... it fucking properly breaks my heart, you know? It oh, properly breaks my heart. It's horrible. Yeah. Why have they even brought him back? Didn't he retire years ago? He he retired. Yeah, I think he retired a few years ago. Um, And he was, he, he was so, he stayed way too long at the point when he retired. Why has he been dragged back for? Well, it was, it was a, promotional thing with a, a betting company. I'd say the betting company because we love palmerbet.com. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't palmerbet.com because they were not. Of course not. It, you know. course but not. it was uh, a, a, some promotional thing with the betting company. And, and the sad thing for me was that the England coach didn't correct him and say, it, it, he's an Englishman who was born and raised here and yeah. he's as, Engli- as English as you or I, Eddie. Um, and that's what he should have said. And I just think that it, it was really sad. And I just felt, I felt very, I felt really, really sad about it, really emotional about it because that sort of shit shouldn't have been happening. And I just think between that and the Ralph Rumor comments, and Ralph Rumor was, of course, cleared by the Rugby Football League. Of course he was. They all protect one another, all about self interest. And there was the Rugby Football League chairman had a cry about it on his Twitter account. He said, oh, I was away for Sabbath and I come back being called a racist and stuff because I didn't take action. And and it, it's, it's like... But no one told him. He didn't hear about it anywhere. He's on social media and didn't even know about it. Oh, I'll just wait till I get back. But, you know, Andrew... It's not important. They fucking made all of the Super League players take a knee and they still take a fucking knee, right? And anybody that didn't take a knee was shamed, mm-hmm. right? And then when the rubber meets the road and you've actually got to fucking take a stance and say, this was completely wrong, we will not stand for it, this person's gone. 
or come out strongly and say, this young man is English and we all stand with him because he's one of our brothers. They don't do that. No, I'm on holiday, mate. I'll be back on the weekend. Exactly. Fucking don't interrupt disgusting. me when I'm when I'm having a rest. I was so disgusted by it. You know, and they, these are all the same people that have embraced Victor Radley who decided he was English in fucking July because his dad was English. Get fucked. It fucking pisses me off because I've seen it happen before, you know, and, and you know, people look at a, a person and they say, well, they're not fucking Australian. It's like, get fucked. These fucking people grew up here, lived here, born here, raised here, work here. You're going to say they're not Australian because they've got the wrong mel- melatonin in their skin. Fuck you. It's, fucking uh, pissed me right off, mate. It really did. I I don't get... I don't get how anyone, let alone a commentator who's been around for a long time, would even have... Even have that as a as an idea in their head. They've seen a lot of different countries play. Um, it's not like the eligibility rules in rugby league are a mystery, you know, a mystery, and no one knows that you can represent countries other than the one you're born in. Yeah. Or you know, there's that strange thing where you might have parents who weren't both from the same country you were born in. That can happen. Mm-hmm. That's how people can qualify for two nations. It's a I don't know how there isn't a process where you go, think first, Mm. should I say that? Probably not. I'll just stay quiet and move on. How is that process not going on in these people's heads? And just how about... Especially a commentator. Who's got to do that shit all the time? You've got to think before you speak. Otherwise, it's just fucking word spaghetti comes out. Yeah. Like, how about knowing what you're fucking talking about? (laughs) Like... It's crazy to me, and and it it was very sad to see what happened. Because I don't think there's, for me, there's nothing sinister behind what was being said. It's just stupidity. Okay, I'm not defending what was said. Fuck no, but it's stupidity. And you think for commentators who have to, they've got to be able to think, edit, process, do all that stuff in the head very quickly while they're calling a game. To not be able to do that at all in the calm environment, after, you know, outside of a game being called, to not being able to do that—that's that's just stupid. Yeah, it's utterly stupid. Um, Ralph Rim is a moron. Yeah, uh, he shouldn't be running. I mean, I, I know his his time is running out anyway, but there's no reason why they can't just sack him and just say piss off. It's not easy to actually look like you're taking a stance when you know he's leaving in two months' time to sack him two months early. No one's really hurt by that, but at least it looks like you're taking a stance and you're showing a little bit of backbone. But no, won't even do that. The RFL boss is too busy doing a fucking scoma. I'll just fuck off overseas while while everything's burning around me. She'll be right. Someone else will deal with it. They're so busy with their nose in the fucking trough that they couldn't even put their ego aside for one fucking second to say, you know what? You're leaving in a couple of months' time. It's just easy for everyone if you leave now. You know, they couldn't even do that. They're all It's a great opportunity to get the next new boss in there with the world at their foot. 
you know, all of the world's here. We've got the World Cup here at the moment. Put your new boss there now and go, this is what's going on around the entire world in rugby league. Why is this not happening in England? Like mm-hmm. this quality of football, these quality of players. Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing what the rest of the world's doing. Catch up. Yeah. But no, they're going to wait till all that's passed and done and they'll get some other blow in to do it and they won't know what's going on. It'll be more of the same bullshit. Yeah, it'll, it's just going to be, look, this is hopefully going to be the last World Cup in England. Um, the, the game's in in a, such a perilous state there. I don't think that we'll be going back to it. Um, there'll be nothing to go back to. I'm going to uh, almost argue if this, because there's been issues selling tickets for, for World Cup games, including the, the opening game that England's playing in. Mm-hmm. They've been struggling to sell those tickets. There's no sellouts, as, as I'm aware of, at this stage. How long have they had to sell these tickets, Freaky? Do you remember? Well, it was scheduled to be in 2021. That's and so said. they've they've been given an extra year to a sell the year. tickets. Yeah. And they still can't fucking sell out one game. And it's weird because remember about, it was about three or four months ago, the, all of their accounts started lighting up about, oh, they're so, we've sold this many tickets. We've done this. We've done this. And, and now it turns out that that seems like it might be a whole load of bullshit. Yeah. The, the problem is that, and I've discussed this with some people, it, it feels very 2000 World cup I don't think it's going to be that bad. Ooh. But just the disorganisation and saying one thing and producing another result, that was what that 2000 World Cup was all about. And uh, we, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Because I worry now that if we keep having World Cups in England as frequently as we are, and they are struggling to sell any, even one game out, I worry what it's going to do to the international game, especially the international game in the Northern Hemisphere, because that's the international game that needs a lot of um, support, nurturing, improving, and... I, I worry what England's doing to it. I worry that the if the English game just continues to fade away as it is, that it will have an effect on French rugby league. Now, I think that French rugby league, as we've seen time and time again, it's got an inner strength where it will continue. But if that happens, French rugby league would need to be embraced by Australian rugby league, which is a bit difficult because of the distance. But we would have to make sure that we keep up with French Rugby League and embrace them and do everything we can to keep them improving and expanding and getting better. Um, the next World Cup is going to be in France, which is great. Yeah, uh, That's going to be absolutely awesome. That might be one to go to, actually. Um, I'd but, love to. Oh, man, how good would that be? I would love to – you know what I would love to do? I would love to hire a car and just travel around France – and go to all the World Cup games in France. Yeah. That'd that would be, be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Let's crowdfund that. We've got, right. we've got three years to do it, right? right? If we... We won't put this part to air, Andrew, right? But if we get our followers and our listeners to crowdsource a holiday for you and me in France, and we'll do it the same way the Rugby Football League do it, you know, we'll just ride a gravy train. <laughs> I'm keen. I'm sold. Yes. Yes. I'm sold. <laughs> Make this happen. 
Exactly. Now, um, so yeah, so the next one's going to be in France. I don't think we'll go back to England. I think that the just the game won't be in the state to do it. No, they look. England needs to earn a World Cup. Okay, because at the moment the way they get World Cup hosting rights is they take them. Yeah. I think in the future they need to start earning that shit. And we need and I to. I mean, really really earn it. They need to start performing on the field internationally. They need to in- improve their domestic product. Um, you know, it'd be good to have something like, I don't know, pay security for players. That'd be nice. That'd be good, yeah. How about if they had venues that weren't dangerous to play at? That, I mean, that'd be nice. Mm. I, mean, I can't be too critical because, you know, my team plays at Leichhardt, but now then again... Leichhardt's only dangerous to people who follow rugby union, so it's fine. What? Oh, yeah, Leichhardt, yeah. I'm th- I was yeah. thinking of Campbelltown. I'm like, Campbelltown's really safe. Oh, yeah, Leichhardt. Well, um, the ground might be safe. I'm not too sure about outside it. It's true, true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Leichhardt is the only place where I've been, and I was calling a, a New South Wales Cup game. I think it was a New South Wales Cup semi-final, where when I was walking back to my car, I was thinking, please be there. <laughs> that's the only place I've ever felt that and I've, I've parked my car all over the place it's the only place I've felt that um, but yeah Manly's also a bit you know mm. well Manly like Manly, I don't like the idea of going to a football game and going am I risking permanent death by doing this yeah yeah with the asbestos I like the fact I said permanent death, like there's, you know. That's another type of death. <laughs> yeah, this is another death that you just have on weekends. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that kind of is what being a West Tigers fan is. Every time Saturday and Sunday rolls around, you just die. Partially dying inside every weekend. <laughs> yeah. You wake up on the week, on, on, on you know, resurrected on Monday. You're like, ah, <laughs> life's back again. <laughs> oh, shit. I um, save that. But, yeah. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Now you know how happy Coruscant is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shit. Oh, shit. But, uh... <laughs> oh, man. It, it's just... We'll see how this World Cup turns out. I, I just... I worry that when they're not getting through to really diehard rugby league people like you and me, and look, we're not in England... So there'll be some of that. But when they're not getting through to the likes of you and me, who are they getting through to? Um, that's a real worry. That's a real worry. I'm just trying to see. Yeah, it looks like they're still they're still selling tickets. I was told that the digital ticket system isn't working and that they are having to physically send tickets out to people. Now, I don't know if that's been fixed since then, since I was told that, but... Uh, you know, one day, one day we're going to work out how to sell tickets to a rugby league match, eh? It'll be nice. Yeah. You know what's funny is that, um, I'm not sure if you know, the Kaiser Chiefs are opening the, uh, opening the World Cup. Yeah, 2007 was great for music, by the way, but yes. Yeah. Um, they've got 389,000 followers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And they... They promoted the fact that they're going to Twitter and they also advertise, you know, where you can get tickets and stuff like that for the Rugby League World Cup. Mm-hmm. 600 likes. 140 yeah. retweets. 
It's a bit low. It does feel low, doesn't it? It's a bit low. You and me have had tweets go off more than that. Yeah. I mean, obviously I was joking about Andrew Bolt, I think, on one. <laughs> I can't remember what mine were. I know one of them was a my, – my first viral, viral tweet, I guess, was a, a North Queensland Cowboys one where it was – remember there, there was that semi-final game where they got absolutely screwed – was it a semi-final? Was, maybe it wasn't a semi-final. Maybe it was just a regular Was, it, was that against Manly and a, a hand touched a ball and made the ball go forward? See, in my head, I felt like it was against the Sharks. Oh, that, that's another one. Yeah, they've, they've had a few. Yeah, because, yeah, they have, haven't they? It's kind of yeah. weird. Um, and, and I think the Sharks had one where they scored a try on the eighth tackle or seventh tackle or something like that. Oh, really? It's something like that. I think that's the one that, that screwed them over that time. Do you remember the furor over the mouse trap move when it first came out? Or no, it was it wasn't even when it first came out. It was like it was when Nathan Brown was still playing for the Dragons. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And there, and I think it happened in the semi final, and they used the mouse trap move, which is basically that you've got your dummy half is in position, and then there's a guy that's almost directly behind him. That's and right. the guy that's at dummy half pretends to pick the ball up and he runs, but he doesn't actually touch the ball. And the guy behind him picks up the ball and does whatever he's going to do with it. Usually goes the opposite direction. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and it's called the mousetrap move. I don't know that it's all that effective, but it's something. You're trying it was, something. It was different. much more effective in the five-meter rule day. Yeah, I could see that, yeah. But not today. Um, And so, and there's zero illegal about it at all. But when it was used in this Dragons game and there was such a blow up about it, I remember the media going on about, oh, this should be illegal. And I was was just a kid and I could remember thinking like, why? There's nothing illegal about it. Like there's zero illegal about it. It's like when uh, in the grand final where um, Bill Harrigan gave that penalty against the Tigers I think he was grabbing one of the one of the opposition players and pushing them in front of him because he was offside. And he gave the penalty and said it was against the spirit of the game or something. It's like that's not real. Yeah, yeah, that that's what it was. Oh, yeah, um, a few players actually thought that he accidentally put his arm up the wrong way, mm. so instead of um, correcting what he did, he just went, "Oh, my ego's too big. I'll just go with it now." Yeah, yeah, mistake. Everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, anyway, I don't know how I got on that tangent. <laughs> we do tangents pretty well here. Sometimes we just start talking about footy, eh? Yeah, it just goes off. Yeah, yeah. It happens. Should we have a look at the games that are coming up in the Rugby League World Cup, the first few games that are happening? I was actually going to ask you something about the Australian World Cup squad. Yeah. Do you think Nico Hines should have been selected? He, he has the talent. Without question, I just think that the position within the squad that he would take is covered by other players that are they're, they're either ahead of him or they would do a better job than he would. So, I like if you they've taken two halfbacks over, and then they've got Ben Hunt, who is probably going to play hooker, but could also play halfback as well very easily. Yeah. So you know, I was gonna... thinking more of having him as entirely as a bench utility because he can play fullback, he can play in the halves. Um, 
he's got enough speed. You could probably even put him on the wing if if there's an injury and you need that sort of thing. Mm. I was thinking that that would be the role he could have. He'd be number seventeen on the well, yeah. He'd be your <laughs> your fourth your fourth interchange that you could bring on whenever you need to. If you wanted to rest a half or something mm. like that, mm-hmm. you know, because you're out comfortably, you can do that. It's, that's what I was thinking. Is he wouldn't be a starting player. He'd be your bench utility you could have for nearly all the games. Yeah, I could um, see I could see that, but then you look at sorry, go on. Well I was worrying that I'm not sure that I'm confident that uh Jack Whiten has done enough to deserve a call up. Yeah, I agree. I agree about that for sure. Um I was thinking if I've if I had to choose between a backup halves player mm-hmm. who can cover fullback, I'd go for the guy who's got more skill and in much better form, and that would be Hines. I can see that argument, right? But the way I would look at it, and this is what I was thinking about going into the World Cup when I was putting together squads. Uh, I think with the English conditions, and it be it's going to be winter, um, even in summer, it's their winter. But it, it's going to be they're coming into their winter proper, and so the grounds are going to be slippery. It's going to be wet weather football, and I, I just think that you want bigger bodies out there. Um, I think that they're better suited to those conditions. And I like when I look through their squad, I just see so many players that can cover others' positions. So like you've even got someone like Latrell Mitchell who's playing in the centres who could play on the wing. He could also play at fullback. And they've just got so many players like that that they've already got that so much versatility that – to pick a player for his versatility, I just think it would have been one, it would have been a position in their squad that they just didn't really need that player for, you know? Well, like, he, he clients can play in the backs and he, uh, he can play in the halves, right? And he can also play fullback. He could play in the wing if you needed him to as well. But they've already got all of that so covered that I can see why they left him at home. That's no, my feelings. I understand. All. I just think that, um, I don't know. I think he's had too good a season to not get picked. Mm-hmm. I get that. That's get pretty that. much it. I think that when they, I think the thing about the Australian rugby league team, and it's something that's sometimes underestimated, is that the Australian rugby league system um, is very good at bringing teams together on short notice and everyone slips into their their role and they know what to do because players have been doing that since they were juniors. Um, and that's why we see state of origin teams can gel very quickly. That's why our test team always gels very quickly. And I think that the Australian rugby league system in that regard, um, it kind of sticks with what it knows. Like we don't, Australia doesn't have to, um, necessarily make sure it has all of the absolute informed players because it's got so much depth. Yeah. Uh, so whereas I th- like there'd be a lot of teams where I'd say, yeah, you, how can you leave out a player like Nico Hines? He's in great form, you know? Um, but the Australian team, you can look at it and say, well, where do you fit him in? Like, and as, as I said, I, I like the big, I like the thought of having a bigger bench, in the wet conditions that we're going to see in England rather than a player like Hines where I could see you could have games where he wouldn't necessarily be the sort of player you would want coming off the bench. 
um, you would you would in an ideal world want that big body. But that's my thought on it. Anyway, I can see both sides. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, going to the games. Should we okay. do predictions? Yeah, let's do predictions. Let's do the games. Let's see, Bob. We'll do this weekend's games. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have you, the have the you got first game for each team. Okay. Yeah, that sounds better. That's better. Okay. Yeah. So midnight's Saturday, Sunday morning. Um, is the first game in Australian time. England plays Samoa. Um, how much do you think Samoa wins by? I think, look, England's going to be pumped up. Yeah. They talked about this week that they need to not talk about being respected. They need to gain respect on the field. And it's like you're talking about it. <laughs> Having said that, <laughs> oh, they're the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Having said that, I think Samoa will win. I think that Samoa will put 30 on England, and I think that they'll win by about 18 to 20 points. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going with Samoa to win this. I think it might be a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Samoa is going to be one of those teams that gets stronger as the tournament goes on. Because mm-hmm. I think this is probably one of their best sides they've fielded. Ever, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the, I, the, I expect them to go pretty deep into the World Cup. The only thing that worries me about Samoa is that um, their off-field is run very, very poorly and they don't necessarily play to their skill level. But as you say, this is probably the best Samoan squad we've ever seen and I just think that at some point talent's going to overcome a lot of that. Yep. Uh, game two, this would be at 5.30 in the morning on Sunday, Australian time. Australia takes on Fiji. Uh, Australia, I think, will win by about 30 points. Um, that 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 Fiji trial result did worry me a little bit, but they'll have all of their best players in there, so yeah. that's going to help them. But this Australian team, I don't know why people are underestimating them. Like, I think they are I think half the problem is the fact that um, the Australian team has not had a warm-up game. And I know that the season ended not too long ago, but uh, that might be a bit of a concern, I guess. Yeah, it looks like Australia's already named their team for this game. Okay, who, who's the team? Can you, na- can you yeah. name it? Yeah. Uh, Tedesco, Adokar, Holmes, Mitchell, Maritul Lungi, Nahavs, Munster and DCE. Um, front row, Jake Trebojevic and Big Tino with Ben Hunter Hooker. Back row is Crichton and Nanai with Cameron Murray at lock. And on the bench is Whiten, Carrigan, Cotter and Harry Grant. That sounds like a little bit of a mix of get some of the players in there that are going to be there through the whole thing and squad rotation. Yeah, it looks like they're giving grand final players as much of a break as possible too. Yeah, which is no, smart. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. Um, look, I'm pretty confident Australia will win that. I'm not sure it's going to be too one-sided, though. For, Australia might win by about three converted tries. I don't think it'll be like 30 or 40 points on that. I think it'll be okay. closer to 20. Yeah, look, Fiji's, they've got some of the best players in the world, without question. Mm. Um, I just... Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I... I always go, whenever I see Australia play Fiji, I, I just feel like Australia scores a little bit more points than you would have thought. You know yeah. what I mean? 
That's what. Yeah. That's why I'm going with that. That sort of. That sort of scoreline. That's fair. Um, Monday midnight. Monday. Well, sorry, that's Sunday night. Monday morning. Uh, Scotland plays Italy. Now Scotland are the slight favourite, or they they are favourites in this one. Mm. Um, I'll probably they, lean that way. Yeah, uh, these are probably two of the worst teams at the World Cup. It's fair to say. Yeah, I Scotland should win, um, and probably by about twenty points. But I don't think it's going to be a great game. It's good that they're getting this out of the way very early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is. Uh... It'll be interesting to watch. Um, I, I would be like you. I, I'd probably just lean towards Scotland, just mostly because they're there'll be a bunch of bunch of Englishmen that are on home soil. <laughs> <laughs> um, Monday, three a.m. Jamaica takes on Ireland. Yeah, Jamaica being the new guys here, along with Greece, um, they're going to get a lot of support because they're going to be massive underdogs in nearly all their games. But uh, Ireland should do this one comfortably. I'm tipping Jamaica. I, I think Jamaica's going to put on a pretty good show in this game. I, I think that oh, they, they could win this. They will. They will. There's no doubt about it. Mm. But um, I think Ireland, they might just roll over the top of them in the second half. I, the thing that gets me about Jamaica is whenever they play, their results are—they uh, impress me with their results. Like yeah. I, I, I kind of think I peg them in for a result, and they always exceed it. And that's what gets me about them. So that's why I'm tipping them for this one. That's cool. Um, what else have we got? You, in you here? said that's cool, like I'm an idiot, man. You were like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know when you're the worst. The only way I could have made it worse is said that's cute. Yeah, <laughs> that's adorable. <laughs> um, Five thirty in the morning on Monday, the Kiwis take on Lebanon. New Zealand and, should score a point a minute at least. Yeah, Lebanon though will. The good thing I like about Lebanon is mm-hmm. they never they never stop trying, they never give up, and probably sometimes to their own detriment though. They love throwing the ball around. Their second phase play is really good. But uh, you've got to know when to pull the trigger on that and when not to. And I'm not sure Lebanon's at that point yet. Um, they're exciting to watch. So yeah, they are. It'll be an interesting game. But, yeah, New Zealand should should be comfortable winners in this one. Yeah, that, this New Zealand team is absolutely stacked. And they've got a lot of players that are um, they're in awesome form. like they're, And they're at the right point in their career as well. It's not like you don't look at this New Zealand team and say, well, they've got this old guy in there. Sometimes they've got players like that. This New Zealand team isn't like that. No. Um, Tuesday, 5.30 a.m., France plays Greece. Uh, you'd expect France to win that one pretty comfortably. Yeah, they should at least put 40 on Greece, you would but think, hey? I'm looking forward to watching that game, though. I... I've always had a soft spot for France. I don't know why. And I want to see how Greece goes uh, on the international stage as well. So that, I'm going to definitely be trying to watch that one. I don't um, think I've seen Greece play. Hey, um, I don't think – have we watched any of those those games where Greece was – I don't think we did. No. Uh, but I've always said my two favourite international teams to watch play, PNG and France. Because France That's, plays rugby league like 
it was meant to be played. Exactly. And on Wednesday at half past five in the morning, probably one of the, the most anticipated games in the World Cup, Tonga plays Papua New Guinea. Yeah, this is going to be an absolute war. <laughs> like, I don't even care about the score. They don't even need a scoreboard for this. Yeah, just turn it off, eh? That's um, right. Give them, actually, give them one-hour halves as well. <laughs> I think someone would die if that happened, eh? <laughs> it's, it's so good. Uh, but Tonga should win this. They should. They should. It won't be easy. Yeah. Sorry. What are you doing, man? It's all right. I, look, I, look, I think that the thing about PNG is that they've got a lot of cohesion and they'll have more cohesion than the Tonga team will have. But the Tonga team has more talent. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I think this Tonga side is probably going to need one game to get to where they need to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so PNG are probably going to be in the best position to beat them in this game if anyone's going to. Um, just because there might be a bit of, you know, a bit of rust there on the Tongan side. But uh, I, I'm guessing Tonga to win this one. So the last one, Wales Last versus... one. This is the one you're waiting for, mate. Yeah, yeah. 5.30 Thursday morning, Wales takes on the Cook Islands. I still believe that it should be the Penrith Football District instead of Wales because they've produced more, more talent than Wales <laughs> ever. Um, and that's just in the last 10 years. Uh, look, I... Th- I wouldn't be surprised if the Cook Islands won this. The Cook Islands are favourites. Yeah, yeah. In the betting markets. Yeah, there we go. Uh, they've, they're a very talented team. They punch so far above their weight as a nation in terms of their population in rugby league. Uh, it, it's it's almost like magic, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I, I think that they'll win. I think they'll beat whatever Wales is. I don't know. So it, it's going to be a very uh, I forget fella right uh, yeah it's going to be a very very interesting first round dude we'll just edit this part out with him crying we'll just wait until he's finished it's alright he's trying to grab a piece of paper well it's That's can it. I have some paper he's just wanted a piece of paper on the floor I mean yeah. there's tons of it everywhere I want this specific piece of paper underneath all that shit that I can't quite reach, and if I do, I have to bang my head three fucking times. That's the bit of paper I want. Sure, oh, go for it. You're sitting That's... there doing this on the microphone before. Yeah, it's good. It works <laughs> well. Um, so that's well. That's the first round, basically, of the World Cup. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be a pretty good first week. There's most of the games are pretty good too, which is it's good for me because most of them are starting about the same time that I'm about to get on a bus to go to work. Mm-hmm. and it takes an age for me to get to work, so by the time it's full-time, I should almost be about to start my shift. <laughs> so it's good. I'm actually going to be able to watch games on my time and actually be able to give you a bit of uh, proper feedback and commentary on it. Anybody that knows me knows I've been augmenting my sleeping patterns, so I'm ready for this World Cup. Uh, I have missed so many calls and text messages. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. All right, so we've got a pretty big week of footy coming up. Um no excuses, people. Don't sleep in. Get out of bed. Watch some footy. And uh, just remember, too, that even though we've got the World Cup on this month, the Women's World Cup starts at the start of next month. Yes. And the Wheelchair World Cup as well. Yeah, that's, uh, I think, only a few days after the Women's one starts. So yeah. definitely check those out. Um, 
And we'll we'll uh, do previews of those games as well because, you know, we love rugby league. We really do. And we'll give you the no bullshit version of it all too. Like, we're not going to sugarcoat anything if it's crap. We'll tell you. That's right. We're not going to lie to you. Nah, nah. We just don't do that. It's not what we do. It's not our thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but make sure you check us out on all of the socials, Instagram and Twitter, Fergo Freak Pod, uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, all of those. Get behind us, support us, because we're going to be here in your ears till the end of the year and then all of next year. We just don't stop other than the last week. But Yeah, we plan to do this podcast until one of us dies. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then the other one has to uh, has to carry it on. Yeah. Imagine if we did it until one of us dies, but then we got to a point where we just were secretly pol- plotting to kill one another so we could stop doing the podcast. Because <laughs> someone who we prefer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. That'd be but, but we're doing it from interstate. Yeah, yeah. How can I make it look like an accident? <laughs> um, so, like, what were you doing on this time of day, Andrew? And it's like, well, I was leisurely driving up through New South Wales, just minding my own business. <laughs> as I always do. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Queensland, Queensland. I said Queensland, wasn't it? Queensland, not New South Wales. <laughs> um, but yes, make sure you check us out. We're going to be recording throughout the whole World Cup, so we're not going to leave you short on content there. Um, that's a comment just for MoFo Storm fan. Mm-hmm. Stop telling us to wear pants already. Yeah, um, you're demanding pricks. I'm not going yeah. to start now. Yeah, exactly. Weirdos wearing pants. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just make sure you check us out on the socials. Uh, we will be recording all the way through the World Cup. We'll keep you posted on all the news that goes on there as well. And uh, make sure you send us through some emails still. We've got a few there uh, ready to go, haven't we, Freaky? Yeah, we've got some really good emails. Um, so, yeah, we'll get stuck into those in the next episode. So send them to podcast at com. Done. And um, I suppose that wraps this fella up. It's been a good one. Let's put it to bed. That was a quick episode. <laughs>